go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Recording, recording, you guys up? All right, welcome back, Analysis listeners. Want to welcome into the podcast a couple of guys that are in hardcore quarantine, Jordan Harris and Mike Hammond in Denver. What's up, guys? What's up? Hey, man, that's not much. Day three, and I'm uh, eating all my snacks already. Day three, and we're already out of wheat thins. Oh, man. So it's a very interesting time right now. If you guys are listening to this in the future, hopefully there is a future. Currently, while we're recording this, this is a, a time, this is during the coronavirus pandemic, and everyone is basically under house arrest right now, so there's a lot of people streaming movies, watching movies, and of course our movie thread here, we were talking about all the things that we've been watching, and I think everyone, if you hadn't already discovered the 2011 film Contagion. A lot of people have gone back to rewatch it, and that kind of inspired us to to have a conversation just about uh, movies where the world is ending, or kind of world pandemic movies, or or disaster movies. And we've kind of just been living in this chaos and this this very weird time where you know everybody's in in some sort of state of panic, and so we were just kind of through catharsis been watching movies that also have those going on so we decided to get on the microphone and and talk about some of the movies we've been watching and do it through a format which we call the mount rushmore which is very simple but it is just the mount rushmore of we've done 90s comedies and now we are going to do disaster movies but just basically your top four disaster movies when you think about defining a genre so i have my buddies on from denver Matt Hayes is actually totally on brand. He's traveling to New York as they're shutting it down. Matt Hayes is on vacation in New York right now. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So so we have our friends on from Denver. Uh, how did you guys feel going through uh, selecting your lists? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I guess, I guess we should start off by saying that we are all taking this situation very seriously. And we're not meaning to just make light of it. But this category does... Uh, enable for a lot of fun to be had and uh, you know a little bit of a a light moment in a serious world so I'm definitely looking forward to this and and talking about some of these movies and um, you know kind of the different subcategories that uh, fall out of what is a disaster film and and how they differ so um, definitely had some fun with this one. Same yeah Jordan I think it's funny to look at what is a disaster movie and how far can you stretch the definition of that? Because there's a, there's definitely a 90s disaster genre thing that we went through with all these movies. And they were super popular yes. and huge blockbusters. And those were like the superhero movies, I feel, in some regard, of that decade. And now they're like kind of lame. And they're not really... Like that traditional movie just doesn't really get made as much anymore. So I thought that was really interesting. Well, yeah, because they're absurd. And I think audiences started to to wise up. And you had Roland Emmerich mm-hmm. doing Independence Day, but he was also doing Day After Tomorrow. And um, yeah, there there was a, there was a couple different meteor movies, but yeah, very nineties um, volcanoes, meteors, 
massive crowds running away from something was happening a lot in in the movie so yeah it was just kind of funny to to, to dive back into 90s land and to be fair we we always kind of do this i mean disaster films have been around since the beginning of films right it's not a new genre but you always kind of remember the we've talked about this before you remember the films that you discover as a child that leave the biggest impact on you like you're not growing up as a 13 or 14 year old watching you know, black and white movies from the past. So we grew up in the nineties. That's when we experienced those moves. And I'll be, I'll, I'll go to my uh, deathbed arguing that these are the classics of the, of the genre. So somebody from a different generation might, uh, might think otherwise, but I'm with you, Mike. (laughs) I mean, Jordan, they made a 25 best disaster movies of all time. And a lot of them are from the nineties or early two thousands. I'm seeing deep impact Armageddon, Earthquake was 74. Obviously, we haven't seen that. Uh, the the last days of Pompeii. But, like, a, a lot of the are Pompeii, excuse me. But a lot of these are Dante's Peak and The Day After Tomorrow. And, and I don't know, they're, they're all pretty... The time in which we're talking about. So, I mean, I don't think we're too far off. I think that was definitely a time where a lot of those movies were coming out. And there's a few things on this list that, that are from the 70s and the 50s. But I think... This was definitely something that people were, were watching a lot. This genre was being watched a lot in the 90s. It was, it was a time, too, where CGI was kind of was new. And so you got a lot of blend of like realistic uh, set pieces and realistic uh, effects mixed within like a little bit of CGI. So it might have been that, uh, that, that era of computer-enhanced uh, uh, graphics that kind of allowed this genre to sort of take the next step and get even more ridiculous. And, and we saw a lot of filmmakers run with that. Yeah, they absolutely did run with that in the CGI realm. I want to transition into our Mount Rushmore list. So the way we're going to do this is go person by person. We're just going to name a movie off of our Mount Rushmores. So let's start with Mike and what your first movie was. My first movie is Contagion, which led off this whole thread in the first place. Okay. Uh, I've watched it twice over the last week, which is kind of weird considering the times we're in. <laughs> but uh, I really just can't get over did you, did you like it how when interesting it came out? of a movie this is that wasn't, it really wasn't as popular when it came out. I mean, I went and saw it and I remember liking it. I thought it was one of those movies like, that oh, was just like, you yes, saw it yeah, and it was I like, remember talking cool, about this because no one liked you know, it. It wasn't really liked it. good. It wasn't bad. It, it was bizarre. Fine. It just wasn't what, what it, it just was what it was. And that was my sense and how I thought most people felt about it. Yeah, I was one of the people who originally did not like this movie because of our age old conversation on character versus yeah character versus uh, story and i felt that there was so many characters in this movie you really didn't invest or or really care about any of them but it would i admired its broad scope and it really took place over uh, months at a time and it really punches you in the gut now when you watch it because of how relevant everything is and how accurate everything is yeah, and that's what I mean. It's like, it, it's sort of shocking, uh, even down to the terminology in the movie, how accurate it is. I, I've never heard of the term social distancing in my entire life until now. It's everywhere, right? On social media, and every article, we're trying to spread the word on that. They use that term in the movie. Um, there's a section of the movie where they talk about 
how do we develop a vaccine? Well, first we have to grow it in a the lab, then we have to test it on people, then we have to produce it, like something I never heard of. Now all I'm reading are these articles about the exact same process, right? Yeah, the are not. Uh, coming from China, the spread of it, the politics of like on a local and federal level of like, is this serious? Can we shut down uh, our economy for this? It's the exact same thing. And I can't think of a movie that's had this kind of a, a rerun to it where you would watch a movie that already came out, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, that is better now because of something that happened in real life. Like I can't think of another movie like that. So it's also just interesting as a film. It's to the point for me, Mike, where it's like, as I'm talking with friends and family about real life situation and, and trying to guess like what's going to be coming next. I'm like, I don't know. In contagion, this happened. And that seems like a pretty fairly good guess at what's coming next in real life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then, and then I just think, Bob, we, we talk about all the time, the concept of character thing, but I really love what the movie does where it isn't actually about any individual character. And I think that's what makes it interesting is it's about this disease and the disease versus the world. And it's bigger than any one person. It doesn't have that Dante's Peak, even like Twister, which hopefully we'll talk about, sort of cheesy, melodramatic scientist stuff. It's like very uh, cut and dry what's happening. And they're focusing on the spread and not really anything else about it, which I think is really unique. And that's, that's a bold move to do that. I, I see your point, Mike. I just feel without actually going through a contagion, the movie doesn't hit hit emotionally and you want to be impacted by the characters. I really think that you can have drama without character, but it's just way less impactful. So when I saw it, I didn't hate the movie. I just said, man, there's a just way too many characters in this and it, it's way too it, it, it's way too sprawling. But it definitely, because they, they, they take that when you're actually living through a contagion and how great they did the research on this, it makes it impactful. So I'll, I'll definitely, I want to give it its shine in that, in that space. It's just really clever mm-hmm. how they use, they, they, it's not just, a lot of times with these contagion movies, it's, it's containment. We got to contain this thing or it's like the, you know, the, the virus lasts for seven days or there's, there's like a sped up time frame. Whereas this movie takes place over two or three months it you know it, it, there's a lot of uh, building and, and, and a crescendo of the virus which has definitely been the case was you know we've just been seeing this we've been seeing the news kind of rolling in you know starting in december into january and then and and now it's it's here and it's stateside and um you know and it's also just the the scenes that were really impactful to to watch for me were when people are looting or rioting or or like stockpiling supplies and it's like oh shit like we are there we are there right now as a nation and and they just do a really clever job in shooting this movie of like focusing on the glass focusing on the finger on the glass like zooming in on the bar nuts and just all the things that it kind of makes your your skin crawl just all of the different ways that we connect to each other physically and how that is so easy for a virus to spread like it's doing right now yeah, 100%. Also pretty good performances in it. Like, Matt Damon's good in this movie. Yeah, he saves the world again, right? <laughs> he saves his family, right? Scientist? Uh, well, yeah. he's, he's uh, immune to it, so Matt Damon's blood is the cure for the infection. Why not? Matt Damon, man. Matt no. Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. Um, and then, of course, Patient Zero is Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> yes. As yes, it, it does. Be. And that makes so. sense, yeah. Yeah. Man, also crazy that this comes from a bat and a pig in Wuhan or in China, and this is like some, from a bat disease in the, the like 
coronavirus or whatever the hell it's called is is from a, a, was it someone ate bat soup or something in China? Is that what they're saying? Is that oh, what yeah, they're saying? I haven't heard that. I don't well, know. did you guys? It's on something that I've read. Did I heard it was from. A, from I didn't a pick bat, it up until yeah. actually the second time I watched it this week. It's her company that has the bulldozer that's like moving those trees and clearing land for development, and that's what moves the bat. Did you notice that? I I, I just never yeah. noticed that. I think that's another interesting. Yeah. yeah. A little political. Yeah, which is what's happening here, right? Like a there. lot of these diseases are like a result of animals being in situations they're not supposed to be in. It's very unnatural. So it's a smart it's a smart way to kind of insert that where you have to really pay attention. And like you said, Bob, the the filmmaking of that throughout the whole movie, you see it really clever ways that he's showing how this would happen and really not telling it to you. Explicitly. I'd love to see an interview or hear an interview with that guy now, whenever, like when his yeah. movies found all this newfound popularity, like to go back and ask him, like, you know, what, was this what you were going for? Did you actually expect this? Or is there a, like a luck factor involved here? Because it seems like it's well-researched to the point where somebody basically made you know, a documentary, but like a futuristic one, like that they thought would happen. So it became a film instead. And um, it's almost too yeah, real. Soderbergh's definitely got his nuts on the table right now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just, yeah. Y'all, y'all want to mess with me, Bob Panalone? You want to be critical of my <laughs> movie back in 2011? Fucking. Now it's a playbook. Should have listened. Asshole. We should have listened to him. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty incredible. So, uh, great place to kick us off. I didn't want to do a whole podcast on it because every single movie podcast has been and doing a Contagion episode, but but definitely need to give it some shine here. Jordan, what was the first one that you had on your Mount Rushmore? So, I remember as a kid being able to pick out my first two ever uh, VHS tapes that were purchased by my parents, but they were mine. And I picked them out and I picked out <laughs> Twister and I picked out Independence Day. Ooh. And I think that makes me a fucking genius, even as a 13-year-old or whatever, because those two movies are classics, and I want to talk about Twister first. Okay. Yes. Twister is a fucking incredible movie. It is so <laughs> absurd. I will say, though... Oh, it's the most 90s the thing The first ever. scene, That's... the first scene when she's... Uh, when the, the family's in the house in the cellar and the dad gets ripped out by the tornado... Yeah. That shit stuck with me when I was young. I was like, damn, tornadoes are crazy. And then I watched that movie, and everything I know and have ever learned about tornadoes comes from Twister. Yeah, she's the only person that's ever seen an F5. Only one of us has ever seen an F5. It's also why I don't leave it's that old, house without a, like a sturdy belt, because you can survive anything. Really, that's that's probably the worst part about the movie, is is how they're able to, to be in the eye <laughs> of that, with just, just cooked up to a pipe on a, on a belt, and... They're able to just there's zip lightning along. going around all over them, and like they're just cool. Have you ever have you ever been on the Twister ride at Universal? I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh, it it's not anymore. It it's completely dated. But uh, yeah, back in the day, there Same, used no, to be no, a, a no. simulation where you would go and you would stand on the porch, and there was a basically it was a set, and you know they would knock over a couple different telephone poles and it made you feel like you were in a Twister. Anyway, uh, this. Also, just the cast is pretty funny in this movie. The cast is great. It's such a good cast. I know it's Paxton, and we got a... Well, Bill Paxton's kind of the worst part of every movie he's in. (laughs) Oh, come on. Right, like, Bill Paxton kind of sucks, and R.I.P. Like, I'm not trying to be... R.I.P., yeah. I'm not trying to be mean to this man, but Helen Hunt ends up winning at least one Oscar, possibly. She was nominated a few times, but she ends up being an Oscar-winning actress. You've got Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's won an Oscar, uh, Carrie Elwes, 
in here. Yeah. Uh, Alan Princess Ruck, Bride. who was uh, Cameron in yep. in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> but Philip Seymour Hoffman's this like bit fucking weird dude that gets his head sliced in, in one of the scenes. He's so great, he goes, though. Uh, yeah. He's he having does. a blast in the movie. He's just fucking around the whole time. Of course. Of course. But uh, yeah, the storm chasers and, and the sensors and, and they got to get creative and, and cut the, the, the Coca-Cola bottles, get some nice little product placement in there. But the Coca-Cola cans mm-hmm. give the... Yeah, give not the good ball. enough because it's Pepsi. So apparently... Oh, Pepsi, my bad. My fault. Altogether. My fault. Yeah. Excuse so, me. You know, there's a common uh, thread that we're going to see through a couple of these movies, but specifically between Twister and Armageddon is that somehow these like rough and tumble blue collar uh, guys are just somehow inherently better at what they do than any kind of nerdy scientists or fancy equipment. Yeah, fucking scientists. And it just makes for... It's so patently absurd, but it makes for such a good dynamic in the movie, and it's just incredible. Yeah, they're trying to make cool scientists, right? Like, they're trying to make it so cool to be out there, yeah. rough and rugged, and like, all oh, the people with all the books and technology, they don't know anything. There's a scene where Bill Paxton just picks it, up dirt and, like, drops the dirt. He's like, yeah, I feel it. Like, it's like, come on. Like, what, yeah. what does it even mean? They got all the science, but none of the right. instincts. Yeah. It's like, this is literally a science. You track everything, and it gives you the data, yeah. and then you... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like the, the data analytics guys in baseball. They're like, fucking nerds, this is a feel sport. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like the sabermetrics dudes. Yeah, but that was definitely a '90s part of these disaster movies. Was the like cool off the hook? You know, it's always a guy usually. That's why it's cool. Helen Hunt's in it. Did that <laughs> start with Jurassic Park? Because the because hmm. they're kind of cool and like sexy in Jurassic Park. Like the the, the scientists are. And maybe they were like, man, we need to get more science movies, but they got to be like down to earth badass. They can't just be scientists. Yeah, it's kind of like our podcast. We're none of the smart guys, right? We're no, just we're the, the idiots. Collar. Yeah. Yeah, we're just picking up dirt and holding it up to the wind and trying to figure it out. Great set pieces in this movie, though, right? Obviously, a lot of CGI with the tornadoes and flying cows, but some of those physical set pieces of the houses collapsing and uh, the barns that they're in with the roofs getting ripped off, it's, it's uh, it actually, when rewatching it, took me back and was like, man, I feel like you don't see a lot of this anymore. Like, it's really well put together. Yeah, the actual Twister special effects are decent, too, actually, considering when they were made, I thought. Like, some of the scenes look okay. It's not that dated. Yeah. 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 Bringing tornadoes back. Hadn't really seen one since Wizard of Oz in the 30s. So, you know, bold move, and, and it's it's still, in Jordan's mind, at least, on his on his VHS. Oh, 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 and also, also 57% of Rotten Tomatoes. Outrageous. Dude, I think this was, that was, yeah, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes wasn't even really around, right? I don't think it was around. So those are retroactive reviews, which is a fucking shame. And probably critics just being too, uh, too snotty about it. Because come on, man, this movie is, it's just all out It's so fun. How can you not like it? Yeah, definitely. Still is. Throw on Twister. Throw it on. Cool. So my first one was actually a movie that I, I brought up on the steve carell podcast but have you guys seen seeking a friend for the end of the world i have so this movie is really simple uh but really i i think i find it really touching and i've actually just rewatched it recently but it's very simply a, a crater the movie starts with a 
a, a news broadcast that says that the the last attempts to break up the uh, meteor heading to, to Earth have failed. Like we're all going to be dead in six days, and so it's kind of about what your life would be if you were very aware that you were going to die in six days. So some people like Pat Oswalt are doing heroin and trying to double stuff the cookie with a couple chicks. And uh, Steve Carell is, is basically just getting his midlife crisis in right under the gun and um, him and uh, Kira Knightley go on a road trip and, you know, find just, just kind of, find their life's purpose just right at the end of their life. And it's kind of the, the, the meteor is a motivating factor to get him to, to jumpstart uh, really what the purpose of his life should be. So I think it's really good. I think it has some, some nice sweet moments. It has some funny moments, but it, it's just a, it, I like the theme of that where it's like you're, impending death is is you're finally going to let all your inhibitions go everything that you're holding on to in your life um and 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 kind of go seek the purpose in your life i i really like that as a message to a movie so that was well you don't find the the result tragic that he finds that meeting and then it all ends i mean i think it's beautiful because i don't think he ever finds that if not the if if the meteor is not coming He's still in a rudderless hmm. marriage. He's he's still kind of, and he he admits it throughout the course of the movie that the that his his life was very joyless, and and his wife's life was very joyless. And I think he would have continued to live that lifestyle like a lot of us probably would, um, a lot of people in this world would. Um, and he, you know, he's actually grateful at the end of the movie that that this has happened, so he could actually meet somebody that he's a soulmate with, and and he could go on that journey so i actually think of it as a very hopeful movie and it's kind of inspires you to live your life that way it's almost like you almost kind of wish you had some motivating factor like that maybe not impending death but if that's what it takes that's what it takes yeah bob when did this come out do you have it in front of you at all i'm I'm just curious Uh, it was like 2012 oh okay lit up okay yeah, because I remember watching this movie too and thinking it was a clever way to repurpose a disaster movie. This is definitely the most dramatic kind of grounded movie out of all the ones we've talked about so far. Which yeah, and it still has for. all that stuff where like people are in bunkers or, you know, there's people are, some people are accepting their fate and then and going out and partying. There's a whole mm-hmm. scene where they go to TGI Fridays and everyone's just doing Molly and rolling around a little bit like Chicago was on St. <laughs> Patrick's Day here. Um, and then there's yeah, other people like that it. are like, bunkering in and, and stocking up supplies and and trying to to beat the meteor so it's 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 got some of these elements to it but obviously in a in a in a very joking sort of way but it's a it's it's just got some some good things to say about personal growth so i've always liked the movie and, and want to give it another shout out here yeah i'll have to give that one a rewatch i haven't seen it in quite a few years so definitely uh find some time to fit that yeah. one in uh, Mike, let's swing it back to you. What was the second movie you had? Well, I was told we were allowed one zombie movie uh, on our list. And, Correct. Uh, so I, I plowed forward the best one there. I think the best zombie movie that's been made, and that's 28 Days Later. Okay. Yeah, this one's on my list, yeah, too. So yeah. a little crossover here. Yeah, and again, I, I would have this actually number one, if not for Contagion being so, like, real or, relevant like, right now. Yeah, like, relevant. Uh, because as a film, this movie, I've probably seen this movie... I don't know, eight to ten times, probably. It's definitely a movie I'll just throw on every year or so. Uh, just be like, oh, yeah, I want to watch this again. Um, I'm a huge Killian Murphy stan. Uh, love Danny Boyle. 
And this movie has so much going on in it, just from a filmmaking perspective and how it looks. Like, did you guys rewatch it before this? Uh, yes. Podcast? Yeah. This, and this was probably the first time you saw Killian Murphy, right? Yeah. Did we ever see him in anything? I had this? No. No, no, no. I, no. Yeah. And, and, and so the casting is interesting and well, I did it's some Danny Boyle. on it. Right. It's right, Danny right. Boyle, who's Legend. just one of my favorite filmmakers. So. Right, but, but, but the decisions he made in this are like, first of all, they made the movie for five million uh, pounds, uh, which is like a low amount of money. And I, I still not, I love the effect of it, but it's like hazy and oversaturated. And it's got like a lot of classical music in it. It's like a really eerie movie from start to finish. And it, especially with that, that London scene where Murphy's walking around and it's all deserted and it kind of builds. And from there, you're just, it's, it's really scary the whole time. It really is. It's like a thrilling movie. Uh, and the whole time I'm watching it, it's the only zombie movie really that I've seen where I'm actively thinking about what I would do in a situation like that. Like it really does put you in the perspective of the characters that are dealing with it. And then what it has to say at the end, which I think there's a lot of ways to go through it, but just the rage element of it and then it's yeah. a virus and it's not some goofy thing where like, you know, all of a sudden these zombies appear. It's, it's something inherent in humans, right? You don't have to be uh, a zombie to like display rage and to be like a horrible person and be violent. There's a cool monologue when they're at dinner with those guys where towards the end where he's talking about, I see people killing people now and we've been killing people forever. We've been killing each other forever. And when Murphy sort of transforms into that just crazy, like crazed, like zombie that isn't a zombie, they just display that in a really smart way. So the movie has stuff to say. It looks really cool. It's interesting. It's Danny Boyle. And I love just watching it and trying to pay attention to the filmmaking of it. So that's, that's why it's my number two. Yeah, I think this is a movie that truly is a, a masterpiece that's never really received the acclaim that it deserves. Um, and I, I don't remember. I know I saw this movie in the theater with one of you guys. It was me. And maybe me all and of us went, went to together. It, yeah. Did we see? It was one of the few movies that I remember leaving the theater and having that kind of floating feeling where I was just trying to kind of process all my thoughts because I, I came out of the theater sort of realizing I saw something that was really impactful but was still trying to work through it all. And uh, I think you're exactly right, Mike. The way that they use zombies, not just as a you know a gimmick to be a threat to drive some scare scares, but as a way to sort of highlight underlying human uh, behavior and how that behavior, when exemplified, can have all these like negative effects. And then the dichotomy, the dichotomy between the actual zombies and Jim, who's Killian Murphy, right? Who's kind of going through this uh, life or death situation and sort of transforms into the zombie himself while not actually being infected is, is just really, really, really effective filmmaking and storytelling. And I, I just, yeah, I never really thought that this movie received all the attention that it deserves. It's really impactful. And everything you guys said is, is right on the nose with the message that, Danny Boyle and the screenwriter are trying to tell, and it's and and really the the zombie genre is really good at at having commentary on humanity, right? And and this one is definitely in the talking about what the media, talking about what all this violence that's constantly shown to us in our conscious and our subconscious, and and the impact that that has on us as a society and, and, and how it manifests itself. And it's, you know, it's metaphorical, but it's it's really done in an impactful way. And just the 
and then with the craft of the filmmaking that first scene when he wakes up and he is walking through the deserted town and mike i totally am with you in that you're you're constantly checking into what decisions you might make had you had you been in those scenarios but i mean honestly we're out here right now and and i mean our streets are pretty empty and it's it's just kind of it's very eerie but it's it, it captures that in the same way and and as i'm kind of moving around Chicago, getting done whatever I might need to get done right now um, in a very limited way, like, I, I, I reflect on that. Do you guys have that same thing happening in Denver? Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, if I was going outside, part of me is like, I need to go, like, I don't even know what life is like because we're just kind of staying in our house and hunkering down, right? There's this kind of, like, questioning that you do where you're like, am I the only one doing this? Is life going on as normal or not? Um, and it's kind of a weird feeling to even have that thought process. And another really interesting, I think, decision that they made in this movie was that uh, how the zombies, like, they're not just undead and live forever. They're going to starve to death. So they're actually going through this very horrific situation for in like a known short amount of time and everything still completely falls apart. And I think that's what kind of is really relevant to today's times too right like we know we're gonna get through this but like there's a question of like does shit fall apart before we can actually uh you know get down the road far enough that everything goes back to and it's normal. not to be understated that the bad guys are obviously the zombies but the that that arm in the military almost is worse guys than the zombies are right i think yeah, they yeah. are i think that's intentional they, they, they get in way more danger once they find the military compound and then he actually starts working with the zombies to free them from that compound. Yeah, so it's so you're almost thinking, what's the statement they're trying to make there, right? Exactly. So, yeah, really, really solid movie. And again, you got the virus. You got a virus going on. It's spreading. That scene with uh, Brendan Gleeson when that uh, he he I think he what is he kicks the gate and the the blood from the bird falls into his eye. It's really yeah. tragic. Yeah. It really is. And those are like, the, again, you guys talked about the, the empty London scene, but and the that one and the, the blood droplet falling into his eye. Those are scenes that I just stuck with me that I remembered, like rewatching the movie, not have seen it in a while. Like you knew that was coming because I remembered it from the first time I saw it. Really impactful. Film. But they also do the whole like there's the two scenes, the one in the tunnel with all the cars and they're just and trying the to get through it. Yeah, it's like very claustrophobic. And then there's the high rise one where they're running mm. up the stairs and they're these really like intimate spaces where like you feel the same kind of thing. You feel kind of trapped in there and it's like, it's like genuinely scary. Like I was saying before, like the way, like the sets they decided to use for those were, were just so effective in the entire movie. I, I going back to the eye piece, uh, the eyes are so vulnerable. And when things happen to eyes in movies, it always impacts me in a really weird way because eyes are obviously the way you watch a movie. We are watching this movie. So when a filmmaker has something happen or a close-up on a character's eye or like blood falling into a character's eye, it always just freaks me out a little bit and I end up like holding my <laughs> eyes. I don't know if that happens to you guys, but that definitely happened to me on my rewatch. Anyway. Huh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, it's always interesting. Cool. So while we're on the topic of zombies i used one of my mount rushmore's on a zombie comedy that i know jordan has a lot of strong feelings about but i added sean of the dead onto mine the edgar wright movie 
And I think in, and before I hear Jordan's opinions on this, I think in the same way that 28 Days Later has, has commentary on humanity, this movie definitely has, uh, has, it pokes fun and it satirizes the zombie genre, but I think it does so in a really interesting way. And it's because the comment that they're making with this movie is on complacency and living a complacent life. So kind of similar to seeking a friend for the end of the world and how he was living a complacent life, like Shaun of the Dead, he's very much living in this complacent life and he has a friend that, that drags him down. Quite literally later in the movie, he says, leave me, I don't want to drag you down anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, this guy's whole, it, and it's funny, it's, it's Edgar Wright and it's, it's Simon Pegg and um, but his whole point of view is yeah let's go to the Winchester and have a cold pint and wait for this all to blow over and <laughs> I've just been reflecting on that a lot because I think that's been a lot of people's approaches to to this virus is yeah let's go you know just drink some beers we're gonna wait for this all to blow over but the comment on that is a person's complacency and the zombies or kind of a motivating factor for him to become less complacent. Um, and he goes on a full journey. If you think about a character's arc from beginning of this movie and even just the tone of the movie to the end of the movie, it's it's a very dramatic character arc and the movie becomes very frightening. It becomes very dramatic towards the end. So just in general, I've always really liked this movie and I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on Shaun of the Dead as well. This movie slots in really nicely with my feelings towards all British comedies and how they're all trash. <laughs> and the only reason I can't just absolutely take a dump on British comedy in general is because Fleabag is a fucking treasure. So that's the that's the exception to the rule. But this is just I'm just not into British comedy. I don't get it. Monty Python, all that stuff. Never been something that's jived with me. And this is a comedy, right, Bob? So I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's a lot of things. I actually, I don't, I think it's selling it short to call it just well, a comedy. It starts off like that, but the end of the movie, Jordan, is not no, funny. And if you can actually make it to the end of the movie, you might realize that, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. Did you think it was funny the first time that they, like, grabbed a useless item to, like, fend off zombies? Or was it funny the 30th time they did that? Because it's just repetitive I mean, over and over yes, again. Yes, because it's a, it's a satire. It's a satire of the movie, the first half of the movie. It's a joke that wears thin within five minutes. I mean, I think that there's some real scenes in this movie, and I think the themes of the movie are, are still maybe not as impactful as 28 Days Later, but still very impactful. And, yeah, I mean, there's bits in it, and there's fart jokes and stuff, but you're, you're kind of signing up for that when you see my, it. My bigger problem is with British comedies in general. And this just happens to be one. And I gave it a chance when it came out. I remember hearing good things about it and, um, you know, sitting down to watch it and then, you know, just falling back on my same, this is British comedy, this sucks. So. This movie has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes and an audience score of 93%. So, I mean, it's, I'm not the only one out here. (laughs) I actually think you're actually on the island of somebody that That doesn't. That might be true. And, you know, obviously Monty Pythons are wildly popular. I've never understood that either. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure you and Hayes can talk about this all day long, right? He's the big uh, British snob. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's an English turd because he's from England and definitely will want to fight you over, uh, over 
just Monty Python in general, but I, I, there, it's a different kind of comedy. The way that I've heard, the best way I've heard um, English comedy explained in, in just some of its sarcasm is in America, it's comedy if a man is walking across the street and he sees a banana peel and he slips and falls and falls on his ass. Uh, in England, it's comedy if the man is walking across the street, sees a banana peel, steps to the side to avoid it, but he's hit by a car. And so it talks about just it's a it's a heightened type of of comedy. And I know that this movie doesn't necessarily <laughs> fit that bill because there are a lot of fart gags and there's you know them throwing toasters at uh, at zombies. But it's a different taste for sure. And in in English comedy and American comedy. They, it's, it's, they're, they're very different flavors, but I appreciate them both. Well, I'll give them credit, the British, that is, for creating the original Office, but then I think they have to give us credit for making it a hundred times better. <laughs> Man, <laughs> Shots Matt fired. Hayes is rolling in his plane seat, flying back from New York with his coronavirus. So, uh, I really like that movie. Definitely give it a shot. Uh, definitely has some some interesting things. If if you're looking for that character arc, uh, uh, getting yourself um, in a life, a motivated life, a life outside of complacency, and just the things that they're doing tonally with the movie. I, I think it almost goes through three different genres at the same time. The things they do with color and and uh, just kind of creative story storytelling. I uh, I could talk about this movie for a while. So cool. Uh, let's swing it back over. Jordan, have you said your third one yet? No, I don't think so, but um, you know who else hates uh, British comedies, cool. I imagine, is uh, fucking Michael Bay, because there's not enough explosions okay. in them, and Michael Bay made Armageddon, and that movie is far superior to Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> oh, Let's get back to having some fun. All right. You do you, man. <laughs> Armageddon. <laughs> what, what is there to say? You already know. The asteroid's coming for Earth, right? can't send a bunch of fucking stupid scientists up there to fucking drill holes into an asteroid. They don't know what to do. You got to get some oil drillers, uh, man. Not only some oil drillers, you got to get the best oil driller in the world, Bruce fucking yes, Willis, correct. to get his ass on a spaceship, fly it to an asteroid, and save what the world. What are you doing with a gun in space? What is there to understand? What are you, what are you doing with uh, a gun in space? This movie is is a classic. We if you If you go back to the bruce willis case for we spent almost like half that podcast talking about armageddon just just fanning out about armageddon but it's it's so crazy all of the things they try to fit into this one movie like there's you've got fucking aerosmith in this motherfucker you've got ben affleck the the cast is i mean we we were freaking out over the cast of twister i mean this cast is insane and you, and you have to have it i really think this movie doesn't even work a little bit it's just, this movie without this cast is just absurd. If you have the knockoff version of all these people, right? If you have knockoff Bruce Willis and knockoff... Uh, yeah, if you had Bill Paxton instead. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know. <laughs> but I just don't think it works in Man, the same way. Say what you want about Michael Bay, but you know some of this stuff is really effective the way, again, they're using the blue-collar workers, right? In the same way that... Uh, twister does but mm -hmm. it it fucking works like these guys are funny you're kind of on the team with them you're rooting for them it makes you forget about how just absolutely absurd the whole premise of the movie is it's good fun i love steve buscemi in this movie yeah i read something that said he took this role because it was pitched to him as like um 
like a, a he gets to be like kind of a high level person who like saves the earth and he thought that would like get him out of being typecast as a creep and then as soon as they landed him they just made the role way more creepy oh yeah he's a he's a sex addict <laughs> they're giving they're showing them those ink block tests and he's like uh what are these remind he's like uh, uh woman with large breasts woman with smaller breasts you but with breasts like, <laughs> yeah. talking about fucking chicks all the time well then if you're trying to save the world he doesn't make the screening process right he just doesn't no. you don't like and he fucks up as soon as he gets out of space yeah he gets space dementia he loses his mind <laughs> of course he does just want to feel <laughs> the power between my legs brother it's so funny yeah, the movie is really self-aware and it goes for it. And I think that's oh, what you got to do in the genre is really just embrace it and just how ridiculous can we do this uh, without it being so absurd that audiences will like watch this. And it really pushes that fine line in this movie because it. But if so you're absurd. thinking about what you would do if if that was happening, I would kind of do the Steve Buscemi thing and go get five hundred thousand dollars from a loan shark and blow it all on a stripper named Molly Max and. Like, you know, just kind of like go for it because you're like, ah, oh, there's no way that I'm going to actually get this job done. I might as well live it up on the way out, right? Or if I succeed, I'm a hero. I can do whatever I want. Yeah, what does I it matter? Up, well, it's not going to matter. <laughs> exactly. The government will take care of this. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That Have you guys club? listened? It's a thing of legend. The, the Ben Affleck commentary on the DVD. Oh, no. Doesn't he get like hammered? just one segment of it's it. really impossible to find yeah you can find the audio of it on youtube and it's still worth listening to um but it's just so funny because he's clearly like drinking or, or pretty drunk going through this and he's doing this michael bay impression half the time just talking about being on set and how ridiculous it was and he does the whole thing about like he was like, I, you know, I asked Michael Bay why it was easier to train oil drillers to be astronauts than it was to train astronauts to be oil drillers. And Michael Bay told me to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that was the end of that. Uh, <laughs> he tells. Yeah, there's a YouTube yeah. clip of this. Yeah. Tells a story about how they had like the consultant from NASA who kept like being uh, asked about different scenes and would always say like, well, you know, actually it wouldn't really happen this way. And like Michael Bay was getting so pissed because he was like, it doesn't fucking matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah. They're not here for the science of this movie. Ah, uh, man. Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, right. Liv Tyler, Will Patton, who's actually really good in this movie. Uh, C. Buscemi, Owen Wilson, young Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Clark Duncan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jason Isaacs yeah. is in this as the guy talking about that. That's actually a pretty good monologue that he does about uh, putting the firecracker in your hand and closing it. And your wife is going to be opening ketchup bottles for you for the rest of your life. Not a bad little monologue that he does in there, but good, uh, good suggestion. Mike, what was your third movie? My third movie was kind of a last minute thing. I was trying to find uh, a third and fourth movie and really I blew it with cool. contagion and 28 days later, huh? Yeah. I was <laughs> gonna say, those are just, right. Right. Uh, so I ended up with Cloverfield which I don't even know if you guys like this movie. I think people are pretty polarized on it. I, for some reason, have always been really drawn to it just for the fact of how the movie was shot, the whole J.J. Abrams thing. Um, I know people didn't like the the shaky cam, but the part of it that I liked the most was there was such so little information given to the viewer. And so you can kind of watch the movie a few different ways. You can just enjoy it as like a monster movie, and there's some actually pretty scary scenes with how it's filmed. Or you can just really look for all the little clues to try to figure out where this monster is from and why it's in New York and that whole element of it. And 
I remember just being like a deep dive. I mean, I, this wasn't when the internet first came out, but it was when like message boards and all that stuff. It was kind of like the lost period where you could go online and all kinds of people would post stuff and you could get theories about what happened in the movie and all that. So it's kind of a weird uh, nostalgic thing going through this uh, this movie again. And I've, I've always kind of liked it. It's another movie I've seen probably four or five times and I'll just throw it on if I'm bored of nothing else to do and I'm looking for a monster movie. I don't, I don't like the traditional monster movies. So this one is a little more, a little more different for me. I actually was thinking about this, Mike, and in reflection on what's happening right now in society. And I've been thinking a lot about the panic and the crazy toilet paper people. I actually related more to 10 Cloverfield lane than I did Mm. to Cloverfield when thinking about the, the pandemic and the virus. Do you remember 10 Cloverfield Lane with John Goodman? Yeah, it's good. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I actually think that movie, um, that was actually the one that I I actually started watching today a little bit. But yeah, it's that, the the, the, the paranoid dude and trying to recreate the family that he had with his daughter. But then, you know, the woman's at this cross, she's at a literal crossroad at the end of the movie where they say, you know, Houston, we need some help. Baton Rouge is safe, and she's at that crossroad, and she decides, you know, she finally, her character arc, she's been running her whole life, and she decides to kind of, like, join the fight, um, but, yeah, that, that movie was just so cool how it kept you off guard, I'm talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane, how it Mm -hmm. kept you off guard with, you never knew whether he was telling the truth or not, you know, and so there was, like, parts where he was and parts where he wasn't. Yeah, and then, I've been joking about this with my brother, actually, because, uh, he was talking about all these crazy doomsday preppers and you know, they're just lunatics, right? Living in a field in Iowa. Like I have a, I have a silo with three years of food and all this. Like God, what a weirdo. And now like this thing happening in real life, you're like, wow, I guess those people must be just so jacked up and must be telling everyone they were right. But they're probably yeah. like that dude, right? They're probably that kind yeah. of person where you would actually interact with them and be like, Oh my God, you're a complete weirdo, but you're prepared. So I can't really make fun of you or like be that mad about it. You know? So I like the dynamic of that too. That As cool. a uh, you know a comparison between the two movies, Mike, I did like the original Cloverfield better, um, but I really liked Ten Cloverfield Lane as well, and I thought it was uh, pretty cool that they could have two movies in the same sort of universe, I guess, but be totally fundamentally different movies. Yeah, um, which really, wise. yeah, it's it's something that you don't see happen a lot and if it if someone does try to do it i don't know how often it's successful but they they did a really good job with those two movies um yeah both super engaging the the original one was very much to to me it felt more like a response to 9-11 it's that whole there's an attack on the city how do we how do we get out how do we survive that type of feel and then the other one felt more like an airborne kind of something's in the air need to go underground for multiple decades type of thing so both yeah jordan totally totally true the first one kind of had a feel similar to 1917 where it's just people thrown into a situation and you're just along on the ride with them trying to figure things out as you go yeah very linear story and then yeah yeah, the second one's like a psychological back and forth trying to figure out like, yeah, who's telling the truth or what's really happening outside. And it's all like, yeah, it's all like camcorders and, and we're, like the footage is sort of that older footage too. It's not like every single person had an iPhone and a camera on it. 
Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool too, just to date it and look back at that time period and be like, oh yeah, people used to yeah, we didn't have, have these flip open yeah. camcorders. That, if that movie yeah, was made today, like cool... it would definitely be made just with iPhone footage. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, um, I had Shaun of the Dead, Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. I also had uh, Twister actually on here. Um, wanted to throw some love just quickly at, uh, we're, we're talking about um, movies outside of the 90s when we first started, but wanted to throw some love at The Birds. Alfred I've Hitchcock. never actually mm. seen it. Oh, man. Go go watch it. I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but just a master class in building suspense through editing. And it's it's a little dated, uh, not as much as maybe one of the other movies we're going to talk here in terms of its its uh, special effects, but it's 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 somewhat dated. But yeah, just the the way that they were able to build tension through music and through imaging and and letting that kind of drive the suspense in the movie, it's it's pretty fascinating and it and it's classic Hitchcock. So uh, just in terms of a pandemic coming down onto a group of people and watching them scatter and try to survive under some surreal circumstances. The birds is definitely uh, just a classic that I would put up on my Mount Rushmore. But Jordan, what would you say your final movie is? Yeah. Well, thanks for that lead in Bob, because this movie was certainly inspired by the birds, inspired by the birds and also by an inconvenient truth. And we are saving the best for last here, which is, birdemic shock and terror which is just a hard to describe piece of filmmaking uh you know this is this is uh, i would say not a movie for everyone only those with the most refined taste would really understand this movie and appreciate it um hard to put into words and i'm having trouble keeping a straight face even just talking about it it is Absolutely, right. absolutely. Well, it's a B movie. You just say it's a B movie. No way. There's no way it's, it's a B movie. What are you talking about? It is well, at least a D or E or whatever the bottom letter oh, of the yeah, fucking movie <laughs> Oh, my God. This movie is worse than The Room. It's way worse. absolutely worse than The Room. But also better. Uh, 100%. It's worse I mean, than, it's really funny. It's worse than Trolls 2. Like, the famous horror the the famous terrible movies that that have a claim and people still show up to music box to see this movie is worse than those movies so jordan did you know this the backstory behind birdemic what do you mean like with the filmmaker so after being rejected from the 2009 sundance film festival vietnamese software salesman james Gwynn spent a week driving around the festival in a minivan covered in fake blood and stuffed eagles, gorilla promoting his low-budget romantic thriller, Birdemic Shock and Terror. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he originally had spelled Birdemic wrong on his van. <laughs> have you seen the wait, van? Wait, wait, he was... Go look uh, at the van. I have to look. Are there pictures of this? Yes. Wait, oh he was covered God. in blood and feathers? No. <laughs> he, he had a van that he he put a bunch of birds on top of and covered it in blood oh. and he was going oh, around God. promoting his movie that's incredible this is it makes it even better oh my god and this movie is jordan so so this movie is is basically trying to be the birds it it's very much threat level midnight michael scott's movie meets meets the room trying to do birds and it's there's so much wrong with, with it. I can't even right. really break it down. <laughs> it's really a movie um, that's trying to uh, inform about the dangers of global warming. 
It's a climate change movie. It's a climate. <laughs> that's what it is. It's so funny. That's what's so funny about it. It's taking itself seriously somehow with this major serious scientific issue. But, you know, the birds are like drawn on paper. It's like, it's absurd. You got to see. It's like clip art uh, graphics. And the eagles. Yeah. The eagles are dive bombing and then exploding as they hit things into flames. It's God. people say all the time, you know, this movie has terrible acting. This movie has terrible dialogue or terrible writing. There is no movie I think out there. I would, I would, if someone can think of a movie that is worse writing, worse dialogue, worse acting oh, no. than this movie, I would love to hear about it. There's a scene that's insulting to salesmen like me and Mike because so many good sales work. lessons in this movie. So many good sales lessons. He's got the he's got the headpiece in and he goes, "Hey, what's it going to take to earn your business today?" Great, I'll take fifty percent off and send that over. And then his friend comes over and he goes, "I caught the big fish today." And his friend goes, "Well, how much was your sale?" And he goes, "One million dollars." And they give up. <laughs> exactly one million. All the business ventures are in round numbers. We sold the company right. for one billion dollars. My sale was for $1 million. <laughs> and in the, in the same week that his company sold for $1 billion, he launched a startup company that was going to cut the price of solar energy by like 90%, and he raised $10 million for $10 his million. company. <laughs> like clearly someone that doesn't understand uh, the our financial infrastructure here. And then uh, in between that, he found time to meet a girl who ended up being the model, the lead model for Victoria's Secret. Victoria's Secret cover model. And uh, I don't know if you remember, but uh, so, well, in the movie, right, he's meeting this girl. They're going on dates and he, for some reason, decides to take her back to like a cheap motel instead of his place to like hook up with her. And in the hookup scene, which is very much in that awkward, the room type of filming yes. of romantic uh relations she's clearly wearing a bathing suit and reportedly that's because instead of like bra and underwear and reportedly that's because the director was afraid that if she wasn't having if she didn't have actual bathing suit on they would actually just start having sex <laughs> instead they just play footsie yeah <laughs> oh my God. So and then they wake I up always... in the morning and the birds are attacking which God. leads them on I their was... journey I was praying, I was praying that they didn't, that she didn't take her clothes off. I'm like, please, young girl, don't take your clothes off for this movie. It was, I was just honestly like watching it through my fingers, like, please keep your clothes on. So thank God that she didn't actually get nude. But even just the two young women in this movie that are in their bathing suits, it's just like, oh my God. What, what made you think that this was a real project? Ugh. Well, the one actress who was the, the person that they met in that motel where they get in the van with that other couple and that guy's like ex-military for some reason. So he's got like a, a van that's just full of weapons. Correct. That, that girl, they, I guess she decided to just quit after you know filming a couple scenes and realizing how ridiculous it is. So in order to write her off, they had to film that scene where uh i forget what her name is i think her name is becky and they're in the van and the guy goes where's becky and the main guy goes she's out taking a shit natalie's watching her back <laughs> and then the eagle comes while she's taking the shit out in like a field somewhere and just slits her just throat dive bombs it yeah <laughs> cuts oh, yeah, her throat it. and she's out, out of the movie that's how you gotta get it yeah gotta write her out that's Fucking that's amazing. creative problem solving jordan that yeah, is creative problem solving apparently they made uh, this movie for ten thousand dollars and I have no idea how they wasted that much money. It was all in the special effects. It was I in guess the eagle so. effect. 
the clip art was expensive. But oh, I mean, geez. from a premise standpoint, right? They get in like they start getting attacked by it. the movie's about nothing until they start getting attacked by the birds, which happens about halfway through it. And then they just get in this van and they start driving, and there's never any mention of like where they're trying to go or what they're trying to do. They just encounter random people along the way who give them speeches to the effect of it's not the birds I'm worried about. It's the humans and this man-made global warming that's the real threat. <laughs> and they encounter global several people. Bad, okay. <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. And then so, the movie just fucking ends. There's no resolution. The birds just fly away and they leave one day. And they sit there on the beach just watching them fly away. And the credits yeah. roll. Well, see you later. It's a whole movie. Uh, I love alert. I love that you give me instant credibility on the Shaun of the Dead by going hard on Birdemic. So, ninety-three <laughs> uh, percent of If anyone has not seen Birdemic, they will not regret it. That movie's uh, so much funnier than Shaun of the Dead. That movie's uh, fucking hilarious. Agree to disagree, <laughs> but uh, just the the guerrilla marketing photos of him in the van are are, are worth a watch. So, great. Uh, Mike, what was your fourth movie? Well, it got covered already. So what should we do? I mean, I got, I had, I had Contagion, Twenty Days Later, Cloverfield, and Twister. Okay. So my four are covered. You got any shoutouts? Uh, I have Dante's Peak. I watched that. So that's so the I just Pierce watched that Brosnan. before the movie. For the, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shout out. I just watched that for the first time ever before the podcast. So Dante's Peak starts uh, out at one hundred, man. That movie opens up and everyone's just getting fucked up. Yeah, she yeah. Gets uh, slammed in the head with a rock. His woman. That's the uh, that that's a very important scene. A lot of a lot of those action scene. A lot of those action movies. They just start with with action. They got to hook you within the first three minutes. So yeah, someone's got to eat it. Someone's got to die. Just and anytime you watch those '90s action movies, just it normally starts out with pedal to the metal. Yeah, and that's her standard. Scientist knows what's going to happen, and no one's listening to him. Slash. Yeah. He has to work through all these obstacles of no one listening to science, and it just keeps building. So it's yeah. definitely a stereotypical movie, but it's fun. There's two scenes in that movie that always stuck out to me when I was a kid. When the grandma jumps off the boat in the acid water to tow the tow the family to safety, and like burns all of her legs and stuff, that messed me up pretty bad. And then when the guy is stuck on the on the uh, bridge, and the the yeah. lava's flowing and he can't get across the bridge and they just takes his buddy out. So, yeah, world ending, everyone. Get out of town. The old get out of town. Uh, anything else, guys? Any other shout outs? You know, another really good movie that fits this genre is The Mist. Oh, The, the Mist mm, is awesome. It's such Great a good call. movie. Yeah, Stephen King Stephen adaptation. King. Um, yeah, Thomas Jane. Yeah, definitely more on the serious side, more of the... Uh, uh, less is more kind of filmmaking where uh, you don't necessarily always see the monsters. You have, you see them at some point, but they're not front and center in the movie. And it's a lot more about the interactions between the people um, mm-hmm. and how people sort of during these trying times go to their different areas of comfort and behavior patterns and how they all interact and how um, you know that plays out amongst a group of people that are holed up into a supermarket and uh, a movie with a uh, a very impactful and uh, tragic ending, which is a the ending was... of the movie is a total dick punch. Yeah, it is. Man, man, that might be the boldest ending of a movie I've I've seen 
ever. <laughs> Especially because it's, it it's it's different than the ending in the book, right? So even if you read the book ahead of time, you didn't see that ending coming. Yeah. Very... I don't want to ruin that for anybody, so if you haven't seen The Mist, go check it out. Another movie that's on the same type of genre as The Mist is... Do you guys remember The Road? Yeah. Viggo Mortensen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked Road about was it a really little cool. bit with uh, the Charlize Theron case four too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that movie was that movie was pretty solid overall. Yeah, did you have that as a as a shout out? I didn't until right now, but yeah. I'm I'm just I'm reflecting now and 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 thinking about that, and also uh, another movie that we talked a lot about when we were talking about Netflix and and its impact in the streamland, but Bird Box. Yeah, we did. We did a, movie, or a podcast we did a on that long, long conversation. So if you guys want to go dig in and, and and go back into the annexes, you'll be able to find our, our conversation on Bird Box as well. Yeah, Cabin in the Woods is another good one. Cabin in the Woods, cool. Do you uh, do you consider Titanic a disaster movie? Uh, mm. natural disaster. If I did consider it part of this genre, then it would have definitely been on my list because. Hashtag Leo, sound the siren. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought it was a bit of a stretch as well, but uh, had it as a, as a shout out just in case listeners might have been uh, getting worked up that nobody mentioned yeah. Titanic. I've been on this Too car ride a for disaster. a whole hour. They haven't even fucking brought up Titanic. <laughs> Plus, we have to figure out a way to get Leo into each podcast. Correct. Correct. Everybody drink. Great. Well, that was a little bit of us. We were reflecting. We're trying to have a little fun. Jordan, you had a great point. Um, you know, we have a. We're we're trying to have. We're trying to take this pandemic seriously, uh, but we're also trying to bring some levity to our life. So we're doing that through what we love to do, which is watch movies and talk about movies. So want to have some fun and want everybody else to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks, guys, for coming on. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely, man. Stay safe out there. Yeah, stay safe, everybody. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Stay safe. Wash your hands. But if the Bye. world was ending, you'd come over, right? You'd come over and you'd stay the night. Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant. If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? The sky'd be falling and I'd hold you tight. And there wouldn't be a reason why. We would even have to say goodbye If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Right? If the world was ending, you would come over, right? Right? I tried to imagine your reaction It didn't scare me when the earthquake happened But it really got me thinking The night we went drinking Stumbled in the house and didn't make it past the kitchen Oh, it's been a year now Think I figured out how How to think about you without it ripping my heart out And I know, you know, we know You weren't down for forever and it's fine I know, you know, we know But if the world was ending, you'd come over, right? You'd come over and you'd stay the night Would you love me for the hell of it? All our fears would be irrelevant If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? Sky be falling while I hold you tight No, there wouldn't be a reason why 
We would even have to say goodbye If the world was ending, you'd come over right You'd come over right You'd come over, you'd come over, you'd come over right 